Support the Bartholomew Town Podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, recapping the Rhode Island Democratic Party State Committee's elections with Chairman Joseph McNamara and activist journalist Lauren Nidell. The Rhode Island Democratic Party has solidly controlled Rhode Island politics for decades, with members currently occupying all statewide and federal elected positions, as well as a dominant segment of the state's bicameral General Assembly. However, in recent years, more and more attention has been paid to some of the widespread ideological makeup and differences within the state party and how that diversity is represented in leadership positions and legislative activity. For the most part, leadership within the Rhode Island Democratic Party has rested in the somewhat conservative, institutionalist element of the party, and less so in the more and more vocal and active progressive wing. In the 2018 election, several indicators demonstrated what seemed to be increasing momentum for progressive ideals, including progressive former Representative Aaron Regenberg's impressive near-victory in challenging Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee in a Democratic primary, pushback from party members at the insertion of former Trumpian Republican Michael Earnhardt as a primary challenger to progressive Representative Moira Walsh, and several General Assembly seats, and the party's platform moving towards the left in and following the 2018 general election, including the emergence of the Progressive and Anti-Establishment Reform Caucus in the House. In seeking to advance the progressive agenda and to shake up the nature of party leadership, several challengers to party leaders emerged ahead of this past Sunday's state Democratic Committee elections. Although Representative Walsh, the aforementioned Providence Progressive, challenged current chairman Rep. Joseph McNamara for the chair position. She fell short of mounting a serious challenge, amassing 28 total votes to McNamara's 144. Following Sunday's state committee meeting, I was left wondering, as I often have in recent times, where is the actual center of the Rhode Island Democratic Party? Is major compromise possible given the size and scope of the party's big tent? And can the state party forge a clear and consistent identity ahead of the 2020 presidential elections. New episodes of the Bartholomew Town Podcast every Tuesday and Friday. Listen on your favorite podcast app or visit bartholomewtown.com or ripodcast.com. It's where you'll find the dozens of interviews I've conducted with Rhode Island political, media, artistic, and other influencers. bartholomewtown.com, it's right there for you. All right, we'll lead this off with my conversation from just a few hours ago, with the chairman of the Rhode Island State Democratic Party, Representative Joseph McNamara. Can you just give me sort of a summary of, from your perspective, it didn't end up producing much momentum, but Moira Walsh did get 28 votes. What was your sense of where's the Democratic Party in Rhode Island right now? Is there any kind of actual wave of change or is it you know, sort of more of a trickle in of new ideas from your perspective? Well, I think that, you know, looking at the meeting itself, drawing 300 people, it is the one of the largest state committee meetings we've had in a couple of decades. And I think that the vote shows that 
some people that are engaging with different ideas and they brought those ideas forth. I think the nomination speeches were excellent. It, it introduced uh, our state committee to some of our newer members and uh, a lot of ideas were brought forth that uh, I believe will be embraced by the party and make us stronger. I think it also demonstrated that the Democratic Party has a very large tent and uh, that has contributed to our success and our appeal and communities that were traditionally Republican. And I believe it will continue to do so. So I see overall it was a very positive experience. I was pleased with uh, all of the candidates, including Representative Walsh and her presentation. And uh, I think that uh, the challenges did a good job. I particularly enjoyed the nomination speeches and uh, it just showed that and demonstrated that the Democratic Party has a lot of very talented, dedicated people who uh, are out and want to improve both the party and the state. Do you feel that going forward, the Democratic Party in Rhode Island, especially in light of the fact we're approaching a presidential election, do you feel like it can operate as one unit, that there's not too much division from... Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the outcome of the votes, uh, you know, I'm not going to start quoting numbers or percentages, but uh, in any organization, I don't care if it's the Elks, the Royal Order, the Mooses, if you have a vote for a presidency or board members that is as overwhelming, uh, it would show that there's a great deal of consensus. One of the... Oh, pardon me. Go ahead. Yep. So, and I think I mentioned that in, you know, my remarks that we have more that unites us than divides us. And very often what divides us, if we take an issue like healthcare, do we all believe that healthcare is a right and not a privilege? Absolutely. Do we all agree how we can better deliver healthcare to every citizen in the United States? No, we don't. We don't. Whether it's Medicare for all or Obamacare, we'll debate that till the sun goes down and it's a healthy debate to have. So, you know, that's they are some of the internal debates we are having within the party. That being said, I think we all realize that one of the reasons that uh, Donald Trump is in the White House is because we were not united going into the last election. And it's very important if we are to succeed is that, A, we make sure that everyone is heard, we respect each other and listen to each other, and B, once the debate has taken place, we support Democratic candidates, period, end of the story. You feel like there's enough room right now in the Democratic Party to expand 
to the right or to the left? Do you, or do you feel like it's already in a position where the ideals are just about as spread out as they can be? And this is within Rhode Island. Do you feel – I asked someone yesterday, uh, Lauren Nidell, a journalist more on the progressive side, if she thought a third party would ever emerge in Rhode Island, not the moderate party, but some sort of alternative Democratic party. And she strongly felt that it wouldn't – that even with the division of ideals on some major issues that it's still – important to remain as one party and you're you're firmly behind that idea that you're willing to embrace elements of the progressive platform or even yes, some of the more conservative elements. that works both ways yep uh i had a conversation the night of the convention lauren nidell ran for a state representative out in like western coventry yeah and a very republican area and I had a conversation with her. I said I spoke with a young woman, single parent, who's a veteran, who's a Democrat, and she may be interested in running. And I said to her, and she believes in common sense gun control, but and she knows how to handle weapons. She's been in the military. I said to her, I said, it might not be a bad idea to join the NRA and be a woman who has progressive ideals, has common sense gun ownership, have some pictures of yourself maybe shooting skeet, but supporting common sense. I said people in that district will appreciate that and respect it. And if we're going to win in conservative Republican districts, we need candidates that can relate to people uh, in those districts, and uh, that is an example. And Lauren Idell said, "Yeah, it's probably not a bad idea because you know it's a tough dis- it's a tough district to walk because it's so raw." Right. Yeah, it is certainly. I mean, one of the reddest parts of the state, along with Foster, arguably. So, yeah, I guess it's that politics or practicality element. I mean, there's certainly in Rhode Island Democrats that are have high NRA endorsements, and there are some Rhode Island Democrats who are the complete opposite of that. So that's sort of that fine line that I think someone like me is trying to feel, well, where is the center of the Democratic Party in yeah, Rhode Island? If you look last year, if you take, for example, the the reforms that we passed relating to the Second Amendment, the red flag uh, bill, for yep. example, uh that got support almost unanimously from uh, every Democrat in the House and the Senate. Bump stock ban, yep. un- uh, unanimous support from Democrats. Uh, so there are a, lo- a lot of Democrats who have, you know, higher ratings or B, C ratings. And even myself, I've gone up and down on. The, the NRA, depending on the legislation I submit this year, I have a bill that prohibits canned hunting and the NRA, which is the importation of animals, is a preserve that wants to bring in elk from out of state. Yep. The NRA is opposed to it. However, the major hunting organizations in the state are supportive of it because these elk, buffalo, and deer that are brought in, it started in Colorado, 26 states, they have a disease that is uh, a chronic 
failure. Uh, it's a chronic digestive disease that stays in the soil, contaminates uh, wild herds, and uh, they end up with, it's called chronic wasting disease. And Rhode Island is one of 26 states that don't have it. So they don't want, and who would, right. have these anim animals brought into the state. So, you know, it, it's uh, kind of strange. I had a prohibition on duck hunting along my district coast, which is very popular. Uh, the, uh, the, the bill was popular. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, they killed it. But so it depends on the legislation that you submit each year. Right. You can't draw circles around people, especially here in Rhode Island, when it comes yep. to elected officials. Um, thanks so, so much for your time. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to the, you know, going forward here. Yes. Uh, my what I would like to add, I was extremely proud of the decorum and civility that was demonstrated with some very difficult issues. And to me, that's what we have to do a better job and is respecting and listening to each other. And that will help us become more successful as a party and a state. All right. For another perspective on this same situation, I'm going to take you now to my conversation with activist and journalist Lauren Nidell. which is my uh, my regular district, my, my representative district. And um, I was there uh, from start to finish, <laughs> all three and a half hours worth. <laughs> the reports I saw, there were about 300 people <clears throat> at its peak. By the end, there were only 122-something votes uh, during the final roll call. Did you find that was sort of the, the nature of the night where it was a, a dwindling crowd as the process went on? we lost a lot of people <laughs> it, yeah. it, you know the um it started at put it this way it started at five it went till nine fifteen, and there in the five to six time frame was registration after that there were no breaks gotcha and you know <laughs> it, it just one roll call after another after another and uh yeah so people towards the end lost interest when it came down to the treasurer's positions and you know and it became less and less critical to be there did you get a sense that that was kind of, you know, you don't want to call anybody out for something you can't uh, verify it, but did you get a sense that that was a, a procedural uh, mechanic to kind of slow the process down and, and that they got the result that they wanted, them being the, uh, I guess, the institutionalists within the Democratic Party? Well, when you start out with uh, the chairman of the party being the first to cast a ballot, then you go down to the executive board. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of like that, and so there's, you know, there's there is little people can do without calling them calling attention to themselves when they don't vote in favor of who you know McNamara votes for, and he may say that hey, you know, thanks for running, thanks for running, but people are putting themselves, especially. Uh, state representatives and members of the General Assembly, they're putting themselves in you know, precarious positions when they when they go against what McNamara said. Right. That's been one of the major themes in Rhode Island since really going back to last year's general election. We saw a little bit of, a little bit of it in the state offices with 
particularly the lieutenant governor race with Aaron Regenberg, former Rep. Regenberg, challenging Lieutenant Governor McKee, but also a little bit with Matt Brown and certainly in general assembly races. We saw, um, you know, a movement towards the progressive end of the spectrum. And in the recent HD 68 race, we saw not only the progressive end, but the libertarian do well as well as the progressive candidate. So kind of an outsider's um, gravitation. Do you feel like the the Democratic Party within Rhode Island right now is due for some major change and is really just a small faction of of men and some women that are kind of blockading that change? Or is it that it's the early stages of this, um, you don't want to say revolution, but upheaval within the party and it's just a matter of it's being a, 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 it's got to grow more before it can have that kind of impact? Yeah, I mean, to give you an idea, I started, I, I became a party member or a member of the committee in 2014 my cats are getting ticking on each other um in 2014 2015 there was supposed to be an election there was not an election Mm -hmm. um so that's that's the first issue in 2014 i was one of a handful of progressives and by far the most progressive not even close to anybody else um and if we were to have an election and there were any progressives running, there could have been maybe 10 votes. Um, this is the first time that we've had a full election since 2011, or going back even further. And, um, you know, most of the people on the progressive end got between 30 to 40, 45 votes. So it's a work in progress for sure. And a lot of it is, it's like, you know, a lot of progressives, like, why bother when there's such a machine in place? It's just way too hard to, you know, to become, you know, to, to, to make the change necessary by becoming state committee members. And it really is, because in 2018, we had a pretty good success with state committee members who, you know, ran unopposed that we got in that were progressive. We did not have much success with um, people that ran for the first time against current state committee members. So the names are well known. The money is there. The party is very indoctrinated with keeping the status quo. And um, people don't like to see change in the Rhode Island Democratic Party. And it's a shame because, you know, if you look at the the mentality of a lot of people in the party, it's very 20th century. There's no vision. It just wants to stay right where it is, kind of stuck in time without trying to, you know, bring in new people, new energy, new vitality, and, you know, keeping to the old school rules. And you can see that there because... Um, the diversity was horrendous. <laughs> um, there was none. There was practically no diversity in within the 300 people. It was quite sad. And that's because there's no effort to really bring in people outside of party elites. Yeah, and there's really no better example of that than with Representative Arthur Corvesi. You know, here's a guy who on paper is a Republican anywhere else. And you wonder that mentality within the Democratic Party is that um, misalignment, if you will, 
uh, of, of uh, ideology. Is that one of the major things that's kind of holding Rhode Island back? You know, the, the lack of debate at some of the core levels of um, not only government, but just the way that things are, way business is done. So. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at our party platform, it's not bad, right? It's pretty, <coughs> it's pretty progressive. It has some good ideals, and it's um, maybe not quite as good as the national party platform, but it's definitely decent. I worked on it twice in 2016 and 2018. But then when you when you ask the you know like the Corvaces and the Palisinas for you know in for uh, Mayor Palisina and a lot of the representatives, you'll see that, you know, well, you know, it, it's just on paper. It doesn't really mean anything. Or it's aspirational, or it's this, or it's that. And, you know, it, it, it should be tried and true. This is what we should stand for as Democrats. If we did that, if people in office right now did that, we would be in a lot better shape. And there would be, you know... There would be less distractions in the party. But, you know, when you come out against, you know, certain very, you know, basic democratic principles, it, you know, it, this is where you get some of the, you know, the strife and some of the resistance within the um, progressive movement to um, join in with everything that the uh, party says. And, um, you know, it, there's also other things. The party, the Democratic Party, really didn't work very hard in 2018 to help outlining candidates like myself, who's in a very red rural district, to, you know, to really progress in, you know, how I did. Part of it was me. It's like, you know, I, um, I, you know, I can't really align myself with Raimondo or many members of the Democratic Party because of the fact that I am out in the red area and that there's a lot of resistance to um, the party establishment. But at the same time, things could have been done on the back end. And there wasn't. And I'm not the only one that this happened to. This is, you know, this is in a lot of different places. So you have that. But at the same time, they're saying, yeah, we want to work and get people, get great, get great Democrats elected, and we want to bring in diversity. They say it. They they say it. They honestly do. They and I think they honestly mean what they say. They don't act on what they say, and this is the problem. Very interesting, and that's sort of the. You know, I don't know if it's an awareness, like you say, if it's an awareness issue of how to actually execute these ideals, or if it's just that um, they don't really know what the ideals are they're trying to to reach at the end anyway um but you're right there's a disconnect there that when you go person to person and and that's not a new thing <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say that's that's a, that theme has been playing you know it is has been taking its course across the country and so rhode island is definitely not the only democratic party that is facing those kind of issues it's certainly happening everywhere it's just because you know one of the issues is rhode island is such a small state everybody knows each other everybody's aware of what else what's going on everywhere that it just is a heightened alertness <laughs> you know where other states can get away with it because it could be you know in an area where nobody you know where one part of the state doesn't even really associate with that the with the different part of the state that's having the issue here it's just 
you know, it's, it, it's, it's, maybe it's getting a little bit better, but we'll see what happens. Certainly, when people voted against McNamara and they lost their chair, chairpersonship um, for several of the members, that's not a good sign, you know. You know, in January when that happened, kind of the purge of people who had chair positions who, you know, were part of the Reform Caucus. You know, that's not that's not healthy for the party. That's not healthy for the state. So certain things like that just are, you know, resonate as being super negative and why there's also strife. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things that we're going to be looking into, um, especially now that we have 30 people, is changing the bylaws of the of the Democratic Party, um, which go back from two, to 2011, have not been redone. And, um, you know, and we, want to, we want to make changes. And because unless the bylaws are changed, nothing is going to change. So we have to make changes as far as how his voting is done, you know, who gets on committees, things like that. Because right now, also, the chair chooses whoever gets on the committees. <laughs> So if you're having a bylaws committee and the chair chooses who's on those committees, right. who's on that committee, yep. it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it, and things like that. So there has to be more equity. There has to, you know, people, people who are on the committee are on there for a reason, and they need, it needs to be respected, and there needs to be almost like a lottery with some of these committees to say, okay, let's put people who want to be on this committee, let's put all their names in the hat, let's choose seven. Those are the members of the committee. Very interesting. Yeah, and I wonder over on the Republican side what their infighting is, is I guess, ideologically not as wide, and certainly their numbers as a whole in Rhode Island are minim, you know, barely, they're almost de minimis compared to the Democratic Party. But how they proceed over there on, you know, and, and how the, the Democratic Party proceeds over there on the left in terms of just figuring out who they are and who is going to take the party forward into the future. I feel like the nomination of leader Filippi at the Republican uh, side it sort of indicated a, a, they're ready to step forward and, and try to find at least some version of a new identity. Do you get the sense that the Democratic Party is – even if it's not, um, you know, a Moyer Jane Walsh uh, that's that's or a Sam Bell that's leading the party. Do you get the sense they're ready to throw some kind of olive branch to try to move forward in terms of their identity, even if it's at their own peril to some extent? Um, not yet. <laughs> not with actions. You know, like I said, sometimes they talk the talk. Um, like you know, they were you know trying to unite the party a little bit you know, last night for sure, getting everybody on the same page, making it, trying to make it into a positive experience. But then we'll see what happens. It, a big thing will be um, with our attempt to um, address the bylaws, um, how that works, and if that's taken seriously, and if that, and if we have, you know, a 50-50 membership on that committee um that's going to be really critical if that doesn't change that's going to be that could create it you know issues right that seems like it'd be the next sticking point is all right we've gotten through this now we've got to make some changes otherwise we're going to have an actual 
upheaval of some kind in, within the party and maybe a, a new party emerge in Rhode Island. It's it's possible. I mean, do you think that's something that could happen, that progressives, independents, progressive libertarians, is there room for a new tent to be formed in Rhode Island? No, um, there isn't. And the reason until the Electoral College is done away with, that won't happen, because anybody on the Democratic Party, regardless of where they stand, they, there's one mission, and that is to <laughs> make sure that Trump is not reelected. So uh, people will be united for that, and um, so I would not expect to see any changes or a Green Party uh, or the Green Party evolving, etc., because Democrats are going to be united to make sure that um, – you know, we get a new president. Yeah, I guess that's my last question then. So you're you're on, of the impression that this state par- party committee election is is passed, and we're you know we're seeing some, uh, for example, with abortion uh, and with some gun control measures, we're seeing some olive branches thrown in the legislative sense to the the, the progressive side. Do you feel like that will be reciprocated by progressives? Um, in a sense, to try to become more of a united front going into the presidential election? I think it's going to be, oh, that will take place after the primary. I think the primary is probably going to be very contentious. Yep. After the primary, we'll kind of see what happens. And it, a lot of that is also, you know, going to depend upon, the, you know, if the superdelegates get to vote in the second, you know, second round, where that ha- what happens there. Um, but, you know, I would say that any Democrat on the state no no Democrat on the state committee wants to see Trump reelected. Yeah. I, I think I can say that um, almost with a one hundred percent assurity. Um, so that that's pretty much gonna all fall into place. Now what will happen again of course is general assembly members still trying to put put through or general the general assembly Progressives will try to put through uh, people in the General Assembly, and we'll try to primary people. So that's all going to, you know, still be the same in 2020. But as far as actually splitting um, into a secondary party, it, we have a two-party system. It, it kind of stinks, but that's what we have to deal with. And uh, until something is done on a federal level where we can actually have an independent party that's actually independent
Yep. And you just have to think that there has to be codification this year based on the momentum. You have to think that Senate leadership doesn't want to have to take this for another session in 2020. Um, for that reason alone, boy, you'd, uh, what I'd, be, I'd be shocked to not see you get out. But you're right. The mechanics, you never know. That may be the stall tactic that ends up uh, keeping it another year out. Yeah, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, definitely don't want that bill in 2020 because that would really create a lot of animosity if it doesn't get a hearing, if it doesn't get, you know, uh, if it doesn't, if the Senate president, um, Jerry, doesn't love As always, thank you for joining in on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'll be back on Friday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm Bill Bartholomew. We'll talk soon.